Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the 49ers Focus Podcast. This is Forge, and I am one of your hosts, along with N4L. How you doing today, buddy? I'm all right, Forge. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Not too great. Coming off another loss, uh, second loss to start the season, 25-20 to the Eagles. Once again at home, something we're going to have to talk about at some point. And that uh, wasn't a pretty game from either either squad. Neither squad really representing itself well here. But, you know, there are some good things. I think this game really just came down to one issue, and that was our mighty might, Nick Mullins. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, it was a really tough game for Nick. I mean, missing those throws early on, you know, were really started us off on the wrong foot. And I think that it kind of set him back confidence wise. He didn't really get in a rhythm. And we talked about it last week, how limited he is physically. He does not throw a very good ball. I mean, you had said it looked like it has filled with lead when he throws it. Uh, And, you know, if he's not hitting those short to intermediate passes at a high clip, he's not really doing a lot else for you. So it's really tough if he's going to miss throws early and uh, have, you know, really costly turnovers. I mean, that pick six was really the difference in the game. And, you know, we had three turnovers in the second half. You just, you don't win a lot of games. doesn't matter who you're playing in the NFL if you turn the ball over three times. So it was uh, disappointing for sure. I know a lot of people were really excited about Nick Mullins, but you and I had talked about it last week about how limited he is in a lot of ways and how he had had some bad games. I think that people were kind of glossing over uh, in his previous stint with us. So, you know, it's hilarious to me that the first guy that they always mention when they talk about Nick Mullins is Brett Favre, just because Brett Favre could not be farther away from Nick Mullins. I mean, Brett Favre has one of the best arms ever. And, you know, Nick Mullins is just, he doesn't have an NFL arm. He really doesn't. He's, he processes the field pretty well. Most of the time he runs the offense, he gets the ball out. He does what Kyle wants him to do, but he's a very limited quarterback. And, you know, there's times where he looks like, you know, a middle schooler out there playing with high school kids on the varsity team. And sometimes he just doesn't look like he belongs. And unfortunately, this is one of those games and it was on primetime. So not a good performance from him. You know, everyone talks about the O-line, likes to pin a lot on them. I mean, you and I also had talked about how poor the O-line had been playing all year. And I don't think people really realized it until this week because it was so bad this week. I mean, Trent Williams, we're going to give him a mulligan on this game just because he has been so rock solid for us all year long. But McGlinchey has not had a good game yet, in my opinion, really. And the, the weight loss that he had in the offseason, he just doesn't look strong enough. I mean, we talked about it week one, and I said, you know, hey, that there was some things in the zone blocking scheme where you have to really communicate as a group and you have to really be a sound, sound assignment-based football. And didn't think we did that really in week one, and I thought that that was one of the reasons that we had struggled in that game at times, especially in the run game. But I haven't seen mental mistakes from this group, and that's why it's so concerning to me. We're just not blocking guys. It's not technique. It's not anything else. They're just getting beat. Tomlinson has regressed this year. Brunskill is is not a guard. He's a tackle. He's not playing well this year. He played okay last year in that guard spot, but this year it's just not working. So lots to figure out on that front. I, I really think we have to sit McGlinchey if he has another game like he did. You know, he's just really, he's not strong enough at this point. He doesn't, he's not moving anyone in the run game and he's always struggled as a pass protector. And so it's just going to be tough for anybody that's out there. 
especially, you know, someone who's not mobile. None of our quarterbacks are mobile, but that's no excuse on why Mullins played poorly. I mean, he had time at times. I mean, there were, you know, he did get hit a lot, but it, I don't think that that was the reason he had bad decisions or that he missed throws, especially early. I mean, that one to juice early was killer. Yeah. I mean, Mullins, there are definitely some things that he's impacted by in terms of the offensive line, but some of that's just on him. I mean, we both acknowledge that he's capable of these type of games. Like, you know, when we knew we were going to go to him, I said, Hey, we could finish two and one. If he plays three games, we could also just lose all three of them. He's going to have that kind of range. I have faith in him to win two out of four because I do think that he's a very high quality backup quarterback. I, I stand by that. He's just capable of having these games. That's why he's a backup quarterback. But even independent of the offensive line woes, and, and we will talk about this, you know, as we go along even more. But yeah, the, the interceptions were some of the worst I've ever seen. Like they were bad. The, the the one in the red zone was particularly brutal. Like I just don't even know what he was looking at. So some of this is just purely on him. And that's, like I said, that's okay. It's to be expected. He's a backup. I mean, they yanked the chain on him, which I was a little bit surprised by, and I wasn't. So kind of depends on the reasoning behind it. I thought when they did it, it made more sense just because of where the game was at that point, and you needed to pick up chunk yardage, and the better person to do that would 100% be C.J. Beathard. So in that way, it made sense. I'm not sure if that's the reason they pulled the trigger on the switch or if it was just because Mullins was awful and this is a legitimate question on who's the backup moving forward or what have you. And I, you know, that's a question that we will undoubtedly continue to have as the season goes along because we're not sure yet. He's practicing. He looks good to me, but we're not sure yet that Jimmy's going to be back uh, playing this week. So we will have to see. I do believe he's taking most of the snaps. And, you know, and I think if he had been in this game, I think we probably win it. He, Solves a lot of the, I don't want to say solves, but he cures some woes on the offensive line because of how fast he gets rid of the ball. And, you know, sometimes we take that for granted. It's a, it's, it's really a boon when you're, when your offensive line is not great and ours is not. And I think PFF ranks Tomlinson and Brunskill as the second and third worst guards in the NFL right now, which is pretty brutal. And like you said, McGlinchey just, wow, man, like it's really bad. I don't know how he gets beat as bad as he does on that last drive, two two plays in a row. Like, you can't have that, man. They're running a zone defense, dropping a bunch of guys. Like, you can't get beat that bad. And I – all right, so full credit first off. Derek Barnett was a monster in that game. He was very good. And he's always been capable of that. I was a big fan of his when he was coming out of Tennessee. He's always had that to him. So – I don't want to knock our guys too much for struggling with with the likes of him, you know, or really that defensive line as a whole, just because it is a very good defensive line. But you can't lose that battle on the last drive. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that when you're down to your last two, three, four plays and they are dropping so many guys? How do you get beat like that? I mean, that's how bad he's playing right now. And it's so, so frustrating. It's such a predictable career for him at this point. Because it was the easy, it's the, it was the easiest projection from that class. Like he was going to be an elite run blocker, and he was going to be eh in the passing game, and you just knew it, and you kind of knew that was always going to be the way it was, and that's pretty much how it's played out. And it's very frustrating from from a standpoint of McGlinchey, and you just have to hope something clicks and turns around because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is with this line playing the way it is right now. It just it won't matter long term. We might have been able to win this game with Jimmy. We're not going to be winning a lot of games with Jimmy 
against the schedule that's coming up if, if this line is playing this badly. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, rough stretch coming up ahead of us. And I think everyone's kind of eyeing that and looking at how we've played, you know, sort of inconsistently. I mean, we looked great against the two winless teams from New York, but did not look good week one. And we did not look sharp at home again this week. So that was disheartening, obviously. And I think people are getting a little bit nervous. And there was there were some things, I mean, switching over to the defense a little bit here, there were some things that we had talked about, especially I did last week. I said, hey, you know, we kept the Giants to nine points, but I don't think we played that great of a defensive game. I thought that there were things that were going to hurt us against better better offenses. And I think that some of those started to rear their ugly head. You know, I mean, Armstead had a good game, but he's not a full-time D-end. He's just not. He's not an edge rusher. He's not going to get pressure that way. I mean, he did a couple of times, but the way that the Eagles run their offense, they kind of option the DNs. I mean, they'll do some RPO stuff and they won't block the DN or they'll kind of leave you on an island to make you make decisions and make you sort of try to read the, the offense and the quarterback. And if you go one way, they'll go the other way kind of thing. And uh, they can kind of catch you in an island. And, and Hyder did a good job of sniffing a couple of those plays out. That, that one that they pointed out, especially with uh, that trick play that they tried to run with Jalen Hurd, throwing the ball back to Wentz and Hyder saw it right away. I mean, Armstead's a, a heady player, but he's just not going to get the pressure on the edge. And we just have nobody else to put out there. I mean, Ziggy Ansah, obviously he's gone, but he is not, he looked horrible. And Deion Jordan is Deion Jordan. I mean, he maybe will be able to turn into something. I'm not going to hold my breath, but Looking a little bleak from that standpoint, you know, especially now how thin we are at corner. And, uh, Dante Johnson was playing with old groin, and I think that's part of the reason he wasn't able to track the ball as well in the air. He looked a step behind, and that was a key play in this. And he had played pretty well. Obviously, the Eagles didn't have any wide receivers out there worth a damn, but he had played fine until that moment. And obviously, that was a big play, but it felt like it was one of the reasons that we lost. But think the defense right now is kind of limping and uh, you know this was a game I couldn't help but just especially after I rewatched it I couldn't help but think man how much of a difference this game would have been with Nick Bosa especially given that the Eagles left tackle was a guy from Australia who's only been playing football for three years I mean that's the kind of guy that Bosa would feast on completely outbeat him with technique and you know I kind of had this thought the other day, I know you're a Giants fan. I'm sure there's some people out there that are San Francisco Giants fans as well, but Nick Bosa kind of is the Buster Posey of our team. And I say that as because when Buster was a rookie, he came in, won rookie of the year. Giants win the World Series. Year two, breaks his leg. Year three, the Giants won the World Series. So I'm hoping that when Bosa comes back that you know we can see a similar sort of bounce. But at this point, it's the, the defensive deficiencies are there. Uh, we have talent. Red Warner obviously is amazing. He had an incredible game and we will get Sherman back soon and get all the corners back. But right now it's looking a little bit bleak on that side of the ball and just don't know what the answer is. And I think that that is going to be a problem coming up. Maybe not this week against Miami, but against some other teams. I mean, we go through the gauntlet coming up here. It's it's brutal. I still have the same concern I had last week or two weeks ago or whatever, which is we don't have finishers. I, I think that's a big thing. Like, I, I think that is something that every team needs. And, you know, that is D Ford when he's healthy, but I'm never trusting D Ford to be healthy at this point. Armstead was just, uh, he was a, he was a beast in this game. He had, he had six quarterback hits. He only had 18 all of last year. And that's how, how all over the backfield he was in this game. 
and we couldn't get to the quarterback. I mean, I mean, we'd get to him, but we couldn't bring him down. We did have three sacks, but one of them was a corner blitz. So I, I don't really count that. You know, it's just an overload. They can't block everybody. It's more about getting pressure with your your main force. And we would create the pressure and we couldn't bring him down. And then your back end breaks down and our back end is hurting. There's so many people hurt on, in that secondary. It's really concerning. And right now, my biggest concern is, is that, you know, they're, it, when you look and you rank teams in terms of like what the most important aspect of a team is, right? So you start at the top, it's a quarterback all the time. Most important piece is always the quarterback. And then two and three in some order are almost always protect your quarterback and get to the other team's quarterback. We can't do either of those things right now. This is a team that is on a precipice, I think. Now, again, we had a backup quarterback and that is really skewing this particular result because like I said, I think if we just get average Jimmy here, we win this pretty easily. I think Mullins was just that bad. But moving forward, our schedule gets so tough after this Miami game. We can't win the line of scrimmage battle at all, like offensively or defensively. And that scares the living hell out of me. This is kind of reminding me, just in terms of the season, the way it goes, is that uh, is the two, 2014 season. We were very psyched going into the year. We all thought we were going to have a really good team. We were coming off the, the Super Bowl and then the tough loss against Seattle in the championship the year before. So we were coming off two really good seasons with disappointing end results, but we were still seen as a very good team. And then we promptly went out and dropped an egg and we're like eight and eight. And I can absolutely see us right now going seven and nine, eight and eight, because the schedule gets really tough. And obviously a lot of this has, is health related, but even healthy, we need people to get better. Like we just need them to start playing better. And we need our defense to finish. Like, I think some of the guys on defense are actually playing fine. Like I said, Armstead was great. Hyder's been great all year. DJ Jones is very good. But without a D Ford, Nick Bosa, we're not getting to the quarterback. And when you're not getting to the quarterback and you're relying on your corners to hold up and you don't have elite guys back there, which we don't right now, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I'm really concerned with, with this team all around and I've, Brought up the idea, the notion of, of trading for guys. I mentioned some names. I, I'm just, I'm almost concerned like that's not going to matter. Like if we did that, that's not enough because the offensive line is so bad or because we're having so many injury problems. So at this point, I might even say maybe just hold your assets, <laughs> you know, see what you can squeeze out with this team as it is and, and go from there. Uh, too many people are playing below their level and not enough people playing above. And, and that's a problem. Yeah, definitely it is. And the temptation is there to go out and make a trade and add somebody. But I just don't know who's out there other than the names you mentioned. I mean, there are guys, but I I can't imagine anyone that's worth trading for will be cheap at this point. I think that given where we are with the cap situation and how many free agents we have, I really think that it would behoove us to kind of stand pat at least and just try to go win with the guys we have in the expanded playoffs and hope that sneak in and, and, and make some noise and go on a run. And if you come up a little bit short, that's kind of life. Sometimes you can't really control it, but if you get hot and you make it happen, then obviously that's fantastic. But kind of my overall point that I was going to make was that ultimately, if, if you have a good quarterback, if you have a really good quarterback, they can mask a lot of the deficiencies of your team. And it's yet to be determined where Garoppolo really stands on the spectrum of quarterbacks. I think he's very inconsistent. And I think that leads to a lot of people sort of having differing opinions of him because some people 
see the good and some people see more bad, but really it's a combination of both. So I really am looking to, if Garoppolo's playing, to really be that guy that's going to step up and make the whole team around him better. I mean, it's just, that's the only path to success that I really see. Defense, I feel like if we can get some turnovers and kind of make it make it work and get some timely stops that we can be okay. But really, I think we're going to have to outscore some teams, especially given that, you know, we have an offensive head coach who is one of the best play callers, play designers in the game. So I feel like it's going to kind of lie on on Garoppolo's shoulders and, and Kyle's shoulders to kind of make this happen. I mean, I'm really excited about Ayuk, what I've seen from him with the ball. And, and it, he looks like he's in a video game. I mean, he is just amazing. I got so excited when he jumped over the, the defender on that touchdown run. I mean, that was like one of the best plays that I've seen in a while. And especially, you know, he just, he moves differently. You know, there's, there's a, there was a play later on in the second half. I think it might've been even a third down where he got hit pretty hard right after he caught the ball and he kind of bounced off the defender and then landed on his feet, regained his balance and darted up field. I think he ended up going out of bounds, but he's a special, special athlete. I'm really excited for him to develop and get used a little bit more in the passing game. I mean, he is going to be a bona fide deep threat, especially if we can get him, you know, in the shorter and intermediate, use him on quick slants, things of that nature. You're going to make corners kind of sneak up on him a little bit, and he's going to be able to hit you with maybe a double move or a nice route and go downfield. I feel like with his speed and the length that he has, he's going to be open deep down the field. And that's one area that Nick Mullins is just not able to hit him. So we have seen deep threats have success in this offense. I think there's a role for that type of player. It's really be exciting to have Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk coming back. I mean, we're just going to have to ride, ride them, ride these horses. You know, we're going to have to just give them the ball, let them run over guys, let them make plays after the catch. Hopefully we can, that'll sort of breathe some life into the O-line and get some nice creases. And when we get the most Durati back, I mean, I feel like the playmakers are there and we have the coach to where we will just have to outscore some teams. We're just going to have to get into shootouts and just have that men- mentality of we're scoring touchdowns. We're not kicking field goals. Just try to put the pedal to the metal and score early and score often and score late. You know, I mean, it's really what it's going to come down to be. And I think that, you know, that's kind of what is going to need to happen. So you said the most important position is quarterback. So at this point, I'm looking to Garoppolo to kind of save our season, so to speak. I mean, it's we're two and two. Yes, we're in last place, but two games back, we haven't played a lot of our divisional opponents yet. So you know, I'm not ready to pack it in. We're, we're, I'm ready to go down swinging. But, you know, overall, I think my thought process now is it's time for Garoppolo to really show us that he is the man that some people think he is. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you, like with uh, some pieces there, some things I'm really excited about. Like Ayuk, you're right, man. That was <laughs> that that touchdown was just sadly it was the it was the high point of the game. But that could be the high point of the season. That's that, that was so much fun. And we got Kittle back and holy hell, man, 15 catches on 15 targets. Like th- there wasn't an incomplete pass that was meant for him. Unless you want to say that the Hail Mary was, was targeted at well, him, the which... two point conversion though. You got to, I mean, that was a really big, the two point. Okay. Conversion. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't count that because it doesn't officially count as a, as, as a pass, but you are correct. Yes. So that was the only one. That was, that was, but that's crazy. Like he just came back from the injury. I mean, like, obviously that's why we pay him as much as we do, which is still a freaking bargain. Ayuk is, is, I mean, he just, there, there are things he's doing, obviously that are special. I do wish we could take advantage of him down the field. I don't know that that's going to happen. 
I just, I, like I said, we've, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. Jimmy, I think has a terrible deep ball. Kyle doesn't like taking those shots or doesn't like taking those shots with Jimmy or Jimmy just doesn't take their shots when they're called. I don't know what's going on there. We may never know. Generally speaking, I don't think either of us expects for us to start throwing the ball downfield with any degree of regularity. Do you? Not necessarily, but I think that it's an important piece to keeping defenses honest. I mean, maybe it's just a philosophical thing. I mean, I've always been a big proponent of the deep passing game just because it does open up the whole field. But there's times where I ukes open and I feel like you got to just throw it and just let him run. Just Garoppolo does have a good arm. He hasn't connected on the deep passes. I feel like that kind of goes back to what we talked about in the first pod, which was the footwork is inconsistent. The way he turns his hips is inconsistent. The release is somewhat inconsistent. And I feel like in 2017, you know, he really didn't bother setting his feet a lot and it didn't matter. He was really accurate. And then he came back in 2018 and early on, he was really trying to throw his hips and turn, use his core a lot and his throws down the field. And I, I feel like he didn't really have the, the timing on his mechanics down well enough to where it was accurate and repeatable. Obviously he missed that big throw in the Super Bowl, but I know that you hate this stat because he attempted the fewest passes 20 yards down the field or more, but I feel like his arm is good enough to make those throws. And I feel like just from a philosophical standpoint, personally, I feel like you need to at least attempt them occasionally early in the game, especially always the first drive is my personal opinion, because it sort of sets the tone on the defense, like they got to keep your safeties back and then we're just going to be able to run the ball. So that's part of the reason why I say that. I'm, you know, Goodwin was like one of Garoppolo's favorite receivers in 2017. And, you know, I feel like he was good in that 15 to 25, 30 yards down the field was really where he was at his best. So I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's, I think you're right, probably that Kyle doesn't like it, maybe because it's low percentage. But, you know, I feel like just you have to throw it. And I, I think it'll open things up, especially for IU. If you're making someone keep a safety over the top of him, I and mean, that's, one-on-one coverage for somebody else. And I feel like somebody like Debo or somebody breaks a tackle and can lead to a big play. So he's got the deep speed. We saw him run those routes, especially against the Jets. He was open down the field and didn't get the ball. And and this was a game where we didn't throw it to him hardly past 10 yards. I mean, it seemed like they were design plays that went to him, but we didn't, Mullins wasn't going through his progressions and finding Ayuk down the field. And I feel like that needs to be a focal point of the offense moving forward is we, we need to get this guy the ball at, down the field a little bit more and that'll open up the underneath for him on bubble screens and such where he can get it and really do his magic. So Yeah, and, and that's been a recurring issue with Shanahan. There are just these games where he goes into a turtle mode and he throws the ball consistently eight yards down the field. That's what he's calling for and that's it. And sometimes it's warranted and sometimes it's not. Obviously, there was a long stretch of games last year where that happened, but we were missing both of our starting tackles, so it made sense. But then there are games where we are perfectly healthy, and we're still, that's all we're doing. And I don't know what the reasoning is for that, and I've complained about it before with regards to Shanahan. I don't know what's going on with the play calling all the time. He's generally – so, like, I don't watch enough of other teams to make a, a an educated judgment on how their coaches call plays, right? So – I don't watch all these teams and be like, look, watch their monitor, their play calling and be like, oh, he's a good or bad play caller. And I see a lot of times when you listen to various podcasts and articles and people always act like Shanahan is a great play caller. And I don't know about that. Like, 
I, I have a lot of questions about his play calls. I think he's the best play designer, but I think those two things are not the same. And so I, I wish I did watch enough of the other teams to kind of get a feel for where Shanahan is. I do know that when I when I watch Shanahan, I watch the 49ers. Sometimes I, I there are games for sure, like entire games, where I am really down on the play calling as a whole. And I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming I would have that for for just about any team if I were a fan or if I were watching. So, but it's just sort of an interesting thing because I agree with you. We should be taking the shot. It's not even like I think Jimmy is is flat out bad at throwing. Like I don't think he's got the lack of an arm in terms of like if you ever watched Andy Dalton throw a deep ball, it's just ugly. Like he just never had that in his arsenal. I don't think Jimmy's got a bad arm. I think he really struggles with mechanics, like you said, like where he's his hips are flipping out or his footwork's not right. And then I also think maybe he has problems gauging touch and feel that far down the field. Like he might misdiagnose the speed with which people are running, things like that. So you can see it in a situation where he's underthrowing guys like Marquise Goodwin by a substantial margin, but then he throws it deep to Manny Sanders, who's, who's not nearly as fast. And he throws it maybe a step or two too long. And I just wonder if he's got some problems with just his overall touch in that regard. But when he throws a deep ball, it's actually very pretty. You know, you could say, well, pretty balls don't mean anything. But to a certain degree, they do. They do because like when you have a guy like Nick Mullins who's throwing these balls that, like as I said, look like they're filled with lead, you can kind of tell what's in their their strong suit. I don't think that Jimmy has any problems making these throws. I think he's just bad at it right now. Maybe that comes with more practice, but he's got to throw those to get those that practice. Like you have to take that. So, and I know Jay calls for the deep pass every game, several times a game. And there's always a time where we've set up perfectly for it. And then we just never do it. And I wish it was in our arsenal better. And I'm not talking about 20 yard passes over the middle. Like that to me is part of just our regular playbook, because that's a, that's an area of the field that our receivers and our quarterback excel, excel at. What I'm talking about is a straight up 40 yard fly pattern on the edge. Let me see that. I don't care if it's you, you, you miss it every now and again. Like that's fine. You're, those are low percentage throws, but you also get defensive pass interference. You get defensive holdings. You know, you can, you can actually make trying to get penalties a part of your arsenal. That's okay. Baltimore did it for years. And it's one of those things. It always drives me nuts. And it happened in this game. Fourth the or the third and long draw play. I hate that. I hate that. I realize that we picked up a first down on a third and 31 on a run play, but I hate the draw play because what penalties are you getting there? You're not getting anything. They're not gonna hold, they can't commit DPI. Dude, just take high percentage penalty plays. You know, take I would call consistently shallow mesh patterns because defenders cannot help but grab a receiver's jersey. Like it's super, it's super annoying when you're on defense because you see it all the time. So I would, all the time, I would be calling very shallow mesh patterns underneath, deep patterns down the side, down the seam, anything where I could maybe get some bumps because I think it's okay to weaponize defensive penalties as part of your arsenal. I don't think we do that enough. And that's one of the reasons I want to take the shots downfield. And I don't know what the disconnect is and whose decision it is to not make those throws, but I do think that they need to be incorporated more often. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, part of it's knowing your opponent too. Like if you have a corner that has a lot of those penalties, I mean, you look at what teams do to us, the Vikings in the playoffs, they got in a third and long situation and they said, we're just going to throw it up because we know Witherspoon can't track the ball in the air for Jack crap. So they kind of knew that he's 
not that type of player and that he does have a propensity to give up those plays and they went after him. And so I feel like that's especially, I mean, the Eagles defense, their, their corners are not good. Slay was a little beat up in this game. And I just, you know, it was frustrating to not fully take advantage of that. Obviously this was kind of a one-off thing. We're talking more philosophically, but you know, I'm with you. I think uh, sort of trying to bait defenses into it can definitely be, you know, a beneficial thing. And, you know, speaking of that, that sort of third and 32 or whatever it was against the Jets that we converted, it kind of reminds me that Jarek McKinnon to me did not have a, a great game in this one. He's, I don't think he's really in a position to be a featured back. I think that uh, he's really a complimentary back. And, you know, there were times where I felt like he was dancing a lot in the backfield and I was watching it and I just couldn't help but think, man, if Mostert was in, he would have hit this crease. And, and McKinnon, he, he did sort of a Le'Veon Bell, sort of like, I'm going to hop one way. I'm going to try to be patient. I'm going to dart forward. And there was a couple of times where it, it worked well. He was fine. He found the cutback lane a couple of times. There was a couple of times where Trent Williams kind of got beat up and hit back and he tried to go around the edge and was a little bit indecisive and then kind of got swallowed up. So definitely be happy with getting Mostert back when we can. I don't know about Coleman, but running back to me was a position that I wish that we would have added to uh, this offseason a little bit more. I think you and I had talked about it on the forum about Hasty and how you know neither of us really thought they were going to give him a real look because he's on the practice squad and not on our regular roster and we didn't want someone to poach him. So you know we're kind of stuck for now. And, you know, I don't think they really trust Jeff Wilson Jr. Otherwise, I think they would have used him more. So that was part of part of this whole thing. And, you know, Juice really hasn't been that great of a blocker this year. I think he played maybe his best game this week, but it's it wasn't great. And I feel like the, the timing between the O-line and the fullback and the running back were not there. And the run game struggled as a result. But, you know, going back to kind of what Kyle was when we were talking about Kyle, I think you're right about the play calling. I, I feel like for him, you know, he talks about when he's in a rhythm, when he's calling plays and how it, it just is sort of feels natural to him. And it's just kind of like, you know, the next one sort of, you know, comes out of his subconscious almost. And I feel like he's a creative type. And I feel like as a creative type, sometimes you can get kind of bogged down where it's just not really clicking. You're not comfortable. Maybe something happened. I think probably early on that the juice play that was drawn up beautifully and and didn't get hit. I feel like that was a play where sort of script the first 10 plays. And I feel like if you can't get through your script, a lot of what the reason that people script those plays is they want to see what how defenses are are trying to guard them. So they they run a few things to kind of expose the defense's game plan, and then they can work off of that. So I feel like that really set Kyle back, and he didn't really get in a rhythm because he didn't trust his quarterback. And we've seen him not trust his quarterback before when Jimmy is in. I mean, the Vikings game is a pure example of it uh, in the playoffs where, you know, Jimmy threw an interception and then pretty much didn't throw another pass the whole game. So, you know, I feel like it's it's definitely a rhythm thing. The quarterback and the play caller really have to be on the same page. I know Steve Young talks a lot about it, about um, with Mike Shanahan and how the two of them relationship, you know, it it took a couple of years, but finally when it clicked, it was like amazing. He finally understood why, you know, certain plays were getting called at certain times. And Kyle's had a number of different quarterbacks. I mean, last year was the first year since we've hired him where we had one quarterback take all the snaps. I mean, every single year, it seems like we're rotating guys and I feel like it's driving Kyle nuts. So no excuses, obviously, when you're considered one of the best in the game, you got to be the best in the game. And 
this was maybe not his best game, but I felt like it wasn't necessarily just a play calling thing, but he did get a little tight and a little conservative. You know, I felt like that, that cost us, but I wouldn't say especially, it cost, So, Especially given that our, our offensive line can't block. Like this is a disaster right now with regards to that. Like if they want to get conservative and run the football to go back to what you were saying, like about McKinnon, he's not an every down back. He's not, he's not an elite running back. He's an elite athlete who plays running back. And that that's been the case forever and a day. He, anytime he's gotten more carries in his career, he's become less efficient. Now to a certain degree, that's the case for just about everybody who's not named Mostert. Weirdly, Mostert has done the opposite throughout his career, it seems like. But, you know, McKinnon, McKinnon, when he gets 50 to 100 carries, he's a five-yard-a-carry guy. When he gets 150, he's sub four. And I know that he had some bad offensive lines, but, you know, there was a thing. If you go back and look at when we signed him, that was the critique a lot of people had. He's just He doesn't really have the vision. He's not a true running back. He's an athlete who plays running back. And that's okay because he's got a lot of skills and you can see how effective he can be. And we've already seen that this year, but it's worth noting because right now he's getting the bulk of the work. So I'm with you that I can't wait until Mostert's back because Mostert is going to, he's good enough as a running back to erase some of the inadequacies of the offensive line. I don't know if Jet is that good. Yeah, I'm with you. And I don't think McKinnon really has great feet in traffic. I think that he, he just doesn't I was never a huge fan of the signing, but as time went on and I really started to understand the concepts that we run, the stretch zone scheme that, you know, I I get why he's a fit, but you're right. An athlete playing football is a perfect way rather than a football player. I mean, I used to use that about Vernon Davis all the time uh, that, you know, he, he was just a really good athlete and, you know, there's other players out there that are, are both. And that's one reason why, you know, side note, why I think Patrick Willis is like one of the best linebackers ever because he was a phenomenal athlete, but he was an even better football player. So, you know, I just think that there's some issues there, but week five, NFL season 2020, it's kind of just strap it up and go play and try to beat Miami this week and try to move on. And hopefully we can put together a nice, a nice win uh, coming up here because we desperately need it in the division that we're in. Yeah, and just to put a, a little bow on on this game before we move on to to Miami, a couple of things I want to I want to comment on. One, CJ Beathard is not a thing, people. Just saying that right now. They played a lot of soft deep zone, and they gave him what they gave him. I, I know that he like completed a lot of passes and it looked pretty, but that was not a real defense he was playing at that point in the game. So that's not a real thing. And then. Very disappointed with the situation awareness from Bathard and Shanny on those last couple drives because they wasted a lot of time. There was nothing on the outside and there were no deep shots. And you cannot, you cannot with a minute and a half left or, you know, whatever, when you're trying these two minute drills, you cannot constantly just take eight yards over the middle because they're going to give that to you all day because you're just going to waste so much time getting to the line constantly. Yet at some point in there, we, we needed to take a shot downfield, even if it was just going to be incomplete. You get the clock stop, you get to catch your breath, you get to take a moment because we didn't get anything out of bounds. We got nothing to the boundaries on those uh, on the last drive. So that's that's bad situational awareness from us offensively, both for, as a coaching standpoint and as a quarterback standpoint. Bethard really needs to be on top of that. And, you know, Shani has to make the right calls in there. He has to give those options of, you know, maybe a guy getting, getting downfield. Even if, like I said, even if you're, Make, that's an incomplete pass. At least it gives you a second to, to kind of catch a breath and come up with something else. And 
that's fine, but you need to get some chunk yardage or at least try to at some point. So I did not love the way that last that last drive was run for the most part. Like obviously Bethard looked good, but the defense was kind of lax. I just the attack method wasn't the greatest with, you know, not having any any timeouts or ways to stop the clock. So just wanted to mention that. You know, otherwise, you know, guys like Kittle, good game, awesome game from him. Nice to see him back. Eric Armstead had an awesome game. Uh, I will say that I thought Quan actually came to play. He cleaned up a lot of the tackles. Now, like this time, he didn't miss a ton of tackles, which I, I it was very noticeable, especially in the first half. You know, he was he was making sure to get get them down. So once he once he went in, so I was happy to see that. But otherwise, there was definitely some struggles. Aziz Alshair, not a great game. I he's young, so it's you know it's it's too early to get on him super, you know, especially as an undrafted free agent coming off that knee. But every time he's in there, he just looks bad to me. I, I just feel like he's always trailing behind. And I realize that he made a a, a big play with the INT, but I, I just think in general, he's he seems to be running behind plays as opposed to anticipating them. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's a good athlete and everything, but I think he is a step slow. And, you know, he is able sometimes to get away with it due to his athleticism. But Greenlaw was just so rock solid for us last year. And we're definitely missing him. And hopefully he can come back. But uh, I'm glad you brought up Quan. I actually meant to mention him earlier. He had the best game of the season that he's had. He was sort of on our our bad side last couple of weeks. But this was the first week where I really started to see the guy that came to play for us, you know, the first nine games of last year, which so that, that was obviously fantastic. And you're 100% right about C.J. Beathard. I mean, I, people kept telling me how good he looked, and I kept kind of looking at him like, you don't really understand what you were looking at then because, yes, he was completing passes. You know, the release looked pretty solid from what I saw, but he was just kind of dinking and dunking. And that sack that he took before we scored the touchdown and went for two where we had to burn a timeout on you know the plus side of the two-minute warning, I felt like was a killer. Really came back to bite us at the end when we had no timeouts and had no way to stop the clock. If we would have been able to have you know another 20 or 30 seconds, I feel like we could have done a lot more with it at the end. So that was kind of killer, especially considering you know you don't. I mean, we were fortunate to get the ball back in that scenario because you know only two timeouts not having the ball. Thankfully, they did score on this side of the two-minute warning. But yeah, that was tough. And you know the, the two-point conversion where he could have ran it in and he threw kind of a tough pass to Kittle, who normally makes that catch. I feel like if he gets that, you know, maybe Robbie Gold gets a, a nice 50-plus yard field goal at the end because they wouldn't have let us dink and dunk the same way that they did on the second drive. But you know, maybe we would have been able to attempt a long field goal and go into overtime and it would have just been absolutely hilarious to me if the Eagles would have tied two games in a row. But <laughs> so I think that it, it was tough. But third string quarterback in a you know situation like that, I'm not going to say that you know it was the worst uh, worst attempt at it because we did have a chance to win. It was unfortunate the way the the hail mary worked out. I mean, it's they call it a hail mary for a reason, but felt like it was it was closer than it was it was as close as anyone could have hoped for. I'll put it like that. So you know, we we definitely. Definitely need some improvement from some guys. I do think that it will be Bethard if Garoppolo can't go, but I think Garoppolo will go. And I think, you know, in the event, knock on wood, that Garoppolo, you know, can't finish the game, that I think it'll be Bethard. And Kyle seems to like him, so that's what it'll be. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think he didn't hesitate the last time, right? So two years ago when, when Bethard started to struggle, 
he flipped to Mullins and, and he, you know, CJ got hurt, I think. Right. And that's how Mullins ended up with the start on, on the Ram or the Raiders game. And then he just went with it. I, I do agree with you. I think if Jimmy doesn't go, it's CJ moving forward. Although I want to say, cause I'm glad you brought it up, but the Hail Mary, the camera angle was so freaking cruel. Because when I watched that game and you see the camera angle, the way it was set up, it looked like when that ball got bounced up, it was just going to fall right into Kittle the waiting hands. arms of George Kittle on the ground. And then weirdly it bounced out of bounds to the side. And I was like, wait, what? How did that happen? It was the most bizarre camera angle. I don't know what the hell happened. It was like an optical illusion. It was like, it was so funny. Yeah. And, you know, on the replay too, I think, I, I forget if it was uh, born. Or not, but Bourne and Kittle both went up and they both kind of got their hands on it too. So it was like the ball was bouncing around and, and I really thought that we were going to come away with it. And it was kind of unfortunate that, that we didn't. All right. So let's now look forward to this week where we get to battle against Inferel's draft crush, Malcolm Perry, in the mighty Miami Dolphins. So another home game. How are you feeling about this one? I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, Miami, they don't have the same talent level that we have. They are a much better ran program than the Jets or Giants were. And I think they're more talented and they they play teams tough. You know, they're not a team that's going to back down. They played the Patriots tough. And so they're not a team that is going to lay down and take it. So we're going to have to come with our A game. But this team has responded. I mean, the guys in this locker room have responded to adversity. I feel like whenever we lose a game, it feels like we come out the next week and we're ready to go. So East Coast trip, coming back, not being home for however many days. Then you see your family again, global pandemic, everybody's happy that you're home. So I don't know how much that really affected it, but we haven't obviously been as good at home, especially early in the seasons. We are on the road. I don't really understand it, but Miami's a team. They're going to play us tough. Fitzpatrick had three really good games and a bad game last week. And, you know, so we just need to hopefully get the turnover, win the turnover battle and uh, get back to running the ball and feel like we're going to be, we're going to be just fine in this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'll start off by saying that I really like Brian Flores and what he's done with Miami. I think they're a much better team than they deserve to be because the talent level, as you said, is still not there. So what they've managed to do, I know that they're only one in three this year. And, and last year they didn't win a bunch of games, but they won way more games than they should have. So I really like what they're building there at the very least. I, I didn't love their draft, but that's a, that's a story for another podcast. I, I feel okay with this game. I do think Jimmy's going to play, you know, based on the practice reports. I mean, he looks good in the videos that we've had people post in the, I think he's okay. I don't know about Mostert. He's practicing limited. I, it's a sprained MCL, so it's really hard to say. I just I, I think we have we we have enough talent to, to win this. I would not be super shocked if we didn't, because like I said, they compete above their head. They're one of those really annoying teams, you know. And we, for whatever reason, have consistently struggled at home to get things done and, and put away opponents. So it wouldn't shock me if this game turns out uglier than than I'm thinking. But you know, all things considered, I'm gonna say that we're probably gonna come out of this with a victory. I don't know. I mean, it might not be the prettiest defensive battle because everybody in our our secondary is hurt. And I don't know who's playing at this point and I don't know who's playing where, but I I think the offense is going to be fine. I think the offense is what's going to drive the bus again. And I'm going to project something like a 
34 to 20 type win. I think, I think it'll be a shootout type game. You know, like you said, we don't really know who's available for us at corner. And, you know, there was a few times last game where, you know, the, the replacement level corners that we had didn't communicate well. I was kind of having a little bit of 2018 flashbacks where our zone coverage was, you know, really mismanaged, I guess, where guys were not communicating properly. And I feel like that's a big part of our defense is having handing guys off as they go through zones and kind of understanding what the defense around you is doing so that you can know how to react to what the offense is doing. So anytime you're missing corners in this scheme, it's really hard on you. And, you know, especially losing uh, Williams. I mean, they have Devontae Parker. He's excellent in the slot. They use him a lot there. That's, you know, good in that position. I think he might be slightly overrated, but he is a good player and I feel like that could cause some problems depending on how Taylor looks. I mean, this might be a week where we have to use Tarvarius more in a little bit. He may have to play corner for us. I mean, you know, I just don't know. Mosley's still in the concussion protocol. Dante Johnson pulled his groin and kept playing and he hasn't been, really been practicing. So Witherspoon might be back, but we don't really know. Sherm is still out. I mean, it's just we're really I mean, we're down to the bottom of the barrel when, with our corners. And when you don't, when you're not getting pressure with your front four, because we don't really have defensive ends, that can lead to some problems. So Fitzpatrick is a, is a heady guy. He's, he's got a lot of moxie. He's going to come out firing. I feel like you're right. Flores has sort of gotten them to play above their pay grade. That's what I was saying. They play people tough. They, they don't play, they play up to their competition. And so far, wouldn't say we've played down to ours i think you know but we the only two teams we have beaten didn't have any wins and we lost to a winless team last week so it's kind of hard for me to say that you know we're going to win it going away but you know i do think it'll be a shootout style game and that's kind of what i was saying before where it's time to just ride the horses we have kittle debo Ayuk, the yak bros let's play some bully ball with them you know i think byron jones is coming back for the Dolphins, I saw he was practicing, which, you know, he's a really good corner, so that could pose some problems. But, you know, I just don't think they have anyone that can cover Kittle. And I feel like the, the game plan has to be, we're coming out firing. We know you can't stop us and just keep putting points up on the board. So, because I feel like there's going to be times where the Dolphins make some plays on us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it all depends, right? Like it's, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, which means that we, have a 50% chance of getting Fitz magic or a 50% chance of getting Fitz tragic. Take your, you know, like it's flipping a coin. And when he's good, he's really good. Yeah. It's crazy as it sounds. So you never know. It's a, it's a box of chocolates. So I'm looking forward to it, but we need to get on that win. We, we badly need this win. If we lose this game or one and three, the season's over, just start chucking people on IR because you might as well just let it go at that point. Because with the remainder of that schedule, no way we're making the playoffs. I mean, you're already so far back just in the division alone. It's a disaster if you lose this game. And sorry, we'd be two and three, but you know what I mean. But yeah, I, I this is, it's, it sounds so crazy. It's a must-win game in week five. And I, I think the team will be ready to play and I think they'll be ready to go. And, you know, like I said, there's a, there's a big difference between having a really good backup quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think there's a substantial difference between the quality quality of play for those two so you know having Jimmy back if he can go will be huge and uh, would would go a long way towards getting this win and and here's the thing I don't want him coming back rusty against the Rams you know like I want him to have snaps and I want him 
to have had some game action. And so if we can get him back in this game, 100%, let's do it. And let's take this down because we, we need to find some, some chemistry and some symmetry on this offense and this team as a whole and get things together. And it's going to be really hard if we're just constantly moving out parts week after week. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be really hard. And then, you know, that's part of the reason that we've had issues is because guys are going in and out of the lineup and seems like every week there's a new guy, you know, getting injured. So it's, it's a tough year for us so far. But, you know, I feel like if we can weather the storm with the extra playoff spot, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, I'm going to read off the the games we have coming up just because it's so brutal for those. I'm sure everybody's seen it. But for those who haven't, it's Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers on a Thursday at the Saints by week. Then we play the Rams. Then we play the Bills. So it it's it's a tough stretch for sure. I think all seven of the teams we're about to play are six because we play the Rams twice our playoff teams or thereabouts. So it's, it's going to be a tough stretch, but excited to watch some football. And, you know, given everything going on in the world, I'm happy to have, you know, a couple hours of entertainment on, on Sundays. All right. That will do it for us. Hopefully we will be speaking to you guys again after a victory this upcoming weekend. Uh, you have any last words, anything you want to shout out and for all before we call it a night? I just want to say go Niners, baby. Come on, let's keep the faith. Go Niners. Let's keep the faith. Jimmy, I know that we have some problems, you and I. I need you to come back, baby. (laughs) I need you to come back. All right, guys. Take it easy. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Go Niners. Talk to you soon.